Welcome to Game and Cast, a podcast about dedicated handheld retro gaming, with your host Ryan Clater. Hello, Game and Cast friends! Thank you for tuning in to episode number seven of this podcast. I'm your host Ryan Clater, and I hate to start off this episode with a bit of a downer, but did you know that this is our second to last episode? (laughs) Crazy. But yes, next episode, number eight, will be the last episode of the season. And as I've mentioned, I'm making no promises about creating any episodes past this season. I'm also not promising I won't make more episodes. So you know, maybe leave the feed on your podcatching app. But in the meantime, let's enjoy what we've got going right here, right now, which is another really interesting interview with someone from the dedicated handheld retro gaming community. Today, we'll be talking with Rafael Laputra, who is a very committed collector of all things Nintendo Game & Watch. As a matter of fact, in his collection, he has boxed versions of all 60 Game & Watch titles. And believe it or not, He's still looking for more. (laughs) We'll get into that more in the interview, but the main reason I wanted to feature Rafael is because he is the founder of a Game & Watch Facebook group, which is one of the current hubs of information and community built around Nintendo Game & Watch games. I was curious about his experience as a founder and admin, taking his love for these games and transforming that passion into building a community of like-minded enthusiasts and exploring what sort of experiences come with that role. So without further delay, let's welcome Rafael Lapudra. Rafael, can you introduce yourself? What is your name? When were you born? And where do you live? Um, yeah, hi. Thanks for having me. Um, I am Rafael Lapudra. I was born in 83, so I'm 37 uh, years of age. I'm living in Belgium. For the people who don't know Belgium, it's a small country in Europe, uh, above France and next to Germany small country. Uh, Yeah, that's me. Great. And thank you for clarifying that for our geographically challenged American listeners. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) yes, yes. (laughs) Cool. Uh, So what was your first experience with handheld gaming? Um, I think it's it's a pretty common story uh, from people from my age. It's it's yeah, it was a birthday. I got it from a, a birthday gift from my grandparents. Me and my sister got uh, each uh, got um, Donkey Kong and a Mar- Super Mario Bros. Uh, and receiving it, it was really special. I can still uh, remind, I can still have it in my memory. Um, and we were immediately hooked to those games. We played them for days and days and days. Um, I had them till the mid-90s, I think. And then due to uh, getting older, I lost interest in, in them. Uh, yeah. That's that's funny. Those are the two same games that my brother and I had growing up. He had a yeah. Donkey Kong and I had a Mario Brothers. And, yeah, yeah. Man, such great in, games. I think in Europe and in, in other regions also, those were the two most common games, I think. Hmm. Uh, the most popular one, uh, popular one, also from a, a gameplay, a game uh, perspective. Hmm. Hmm. So you, you said you kind of forgot about them in the '90s or so, but when did you start collecting retro handheld games? Um, it's it's yeah, I think it's 2012. Uh, so 
there was a, a, a some years in between um and it's actually it was a friend of mine who is really into uh collecting old toys and he showed me uh, his recent uh flea markets uh find and he showed me this purple dark purple electronic game booklet form that you can open and you can play play on it and i immediately recognized it yeah, it's a, it's a mario bros from game and watch and i am a very nostalgic person in general and i got an in, uh, an instant throwback to my childhood uh, in the 80s and 90s so yeah i was i was hooked immediately i needed to search more info about them and i found out that there were 60 of them so 60 um titles and that was something i i was um uh, amazed that I was not aware of that in the 80s and the 90s. Perhaps that's a good thing for the wallet of my father because these, these were expensive games. So, yeah. And, yeah, of course, a couple of days later, the first game uh, was um, brought by the mailman. And uh, from that day, the collecting journey never stopped. <laughs> so, yeah. Now, in 2018, you did an interview with GamingBoulevard.com in which you talked about having a full set of Game & Watch games. But in our recent conversations here in 2021, you mentioned that your collection has grown even larger since that interview three years ago. So I'm curious in what ways you've expanded your collection since then and what does it include now? Yeah, in, in 2018, yeah, I was surprised that it was already two, three years that interview happened. That was really cool. Um, it was in 2018 that I was really on the quest to find that last box game to have the full sets boxed of Game & Watch. And that, that title was the most uh, uh, difficult one. It's called Egg. Um, so in, it was actually in 2019 that I uh, had that game, that uh, the possibility to buy it from a collector who stopped collecting. So the quest of many years uh, had come to an end finally. But through the years, I discovered also that um, most, like most retro games, there are all kind of different box variations or country variations of each specific game. And I found that really interesting. So I started collecting them as well. Um, these variations are um, mostly uh, different uh, artworks or um, 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 they are more special to me and I, they are very, far more rare to find. So that's really special for me. So my focus was finding the full set, standard one. But now it's really collecting these specific variations, like, for example, the German Trichotronic. You have the French GI21 variation, and you have the, 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 the variation of the USA, so the American pocket size, which is really a uh, nice artwork uh, box and are really popular uh, within uh, the, the collection scene. So the, the, the quests... To, uh, to collect them all, 60 develops in an endless quest to collecting all different kind of boxes. And it's really endless. There is no... Uh, collecting them all is really impossible. It's impossible. Can you talk a little bit more about your interest in boxed games specifically mm -hmm. and also the, the quest for different types of box variations that you just mentioned? 
Yeah. So uh, in the beginning, when when people start collecting, they start with uh, collecting loose um, uh, games, and that is something I really advise to starters. But it's it's when you buy one box game, you're you're hooked. At least I I was. Um, it's it's um, my goal was to have them all in kind of a mint condition standards or a NOS new old stock. Uh, unused condition um, and finding these var variations in the same conditions that is really epic to me uh, that is really difficult um, it's it's um, yeah it's a difficult but interesting journey it was and it still is now do you have loose versions also that you play or do you play your boxed versions as well or how how does that work in terms of collecting and keeping things mint, but also having something playable? What, what's yeah. your relationship with the games in that sense? When I buy something, 90% um, of the cases, it will, um, will be put into the, the display cabinets and it will be for showcase only. But for sure, I have some loose games that are put aside in a, in a basket where I play them occasionally, but it's um, my kids who play them. Um, so they are not in mint condition, they are used. Um, so, but they play perfectly and they can play on it. But myself, I don't play that often. I just play them to test them if they are correct, if they are um, um, playing correctly. And then they go into the display cabinets. That's, I think, 90% uh, of the cases. And I heard that a lot in uh, the collection scene. I came to know you through your Facebook group, World of Game & Watch. And that's something I'd really like to dive into a little deeper here on this interview. So to start, what year did you form this group? And what was the thought process behind starting it? Previous, actually previous to the world group, I did start a Belgian one. Huh. Um, and that one was called and is still called uh, Nintendo Game & Watch Belgium. Wow. Um, and the main reason I started that group was I wanted to know how many collectors there were in Belgium. So when I started collecting, I wanted to know if um, I wanted to have as much info I could get. And are there communities? Are there other collectors as I am? So searching Google was the only thing that, that uh, existed. And I came across um, with some dedicated Game & Watch forums so forums is old school, in my is my opinion, um, but they are and they were and still are a huge database of, of information and knowledge. Um, most of the members were are Americans, uh, people from the UK, uh, France, but also some Belgian guys. And I was really surprised, and I was really intrigued to get to know those guys. But it was really difficult to reach them. Those um, uh, forums were really static. Um, it's 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 not as responsive as social media like now. So I was active on those forums for a while, but when you're used to the social media of now, it's I was really bored. So I had the the eagerness to create something that was really uh, responsiveness and 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 so on. So Facebook groups was quite new in that time. Um, I think that's six or seven years ago. Um, and yeah. All of a sudden, I had, I had the idea, let's create a group and we'll see further. So, yeah. And I must say, this, 
from the moment I started, um, it was quite a success. We grew week after week. Um, so that was a big thing. And interesting, more people, for international people, foreign people would, would uh, join, would like to join the, this group. So yeah, there was a lot of interest in these, uh, these handhelds from all over the world. Um, so I had a perfect mix of Belgian guys and international people. And I had the problem, the main problem was language. I created a Dutch community, Dutch speaking people, and all of a sudden French guys, people from the USA, German guys. So I had a perfect mixture of all languages. So yeah, okay, let's create a new group, an international group, one language, English, let's do it. And that was, I think, in 2016. Yeah, 2016. Um, and now, yeah, this community is, is, is about having fun, uh, share knowledge, uh, help each other out, uh, selling, trading, uh, doing some charity uh, auctions, high score competitions, and so on and so on. So a real fun group, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I've I've been in there for the past few months and submitted some high scores and really enjoyed getting to know some people in there. So first of all, thank you for starting this. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't realize that you also had a Belgium group too. That's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I know the world group has over 600 members in there. Uh, what kind of enrollment do you have in your Belgium group, just out of curiosity? Um, I had about... Um... 120, so 100 to 120 um, members. I must admit that it's not that active, uh, not an active community like the world group. But uh, yeah, you have uh, you have uh, uh, 100 collectors in Belgium, which is a lot because we are a small country. We have uh, 11 million inhabitants, uh, so that's quite okay. But uh, the the biggest collectors, the most interesting collectors, are uh, international ones. Yeah. So how have you seen the world group change over the past several years since its creation? Yeah, we, we grew from, yeah, from the Belgian one to an international one. Um, I can, we have 600 people and more than 500 are really active. And that is something really surprisingly. When you see two other groups, you have big groups with thousands of members with no action at all. So I'm really proud in a, in a way that, that we have such an active group. Um, and also we have some, the, the initial founders of those old school forums are also a member and are really active. So the level of knowledge is, is very high. Um, so yeah. We are very strict um, letting people in. Um, this to yeah to avoid a huge to being a huge group with no action, but also to avoid like scammers, professional resellers, or people who want to sell just occasionally one or two games and leave. For me, that is not the purpose. For me, I want strictly true dedicated collectors in in the group. Uh, yeah, and and met from from a management point of view, um, this group grew a lot, and you can I couldn't manage this all by myself anymore, so I have now uh, four admins together with me, trying to get the group structured and really active. That is really uh, the involvement process through the years. 
So from your perspective as a Game & Watch group admin, how did the release of Super Mario Brothers 35th Anniversary Edition last year change the dynamic of the group, if at all? Like, are there more members since then? Is there more interest or anything I'm not thinking of? Mm. When I got, I, I got that news of that, that release of the 35th Edition Game & Watch, I got it from another admin. I still know it. And I was really excited. Uh, I didn't know the details, but I was really excited about the news. And I was not the only one. The entire community was. So um, some collectors uh, say that, that this version is uh, a must-have in each uh, collection of Game & Watch. Um, but And even some collectors are starting uh, collecting all the country variations, including myself. It's a bit crazy, but okay. Um, but yeah, for a couple of weeks, there was a lot more activity on the group and, and it was really vivid due to, uh, due to, to this release. Um, and I'm convinced that this new version, people that are born in the 70s and the 80s, when they see this game in the, in the shop, they get an instant flashback to their childhood and they are potentially becoming a, a new Game & Watch collector. So there is more interest in, in, in the group. There are a lot of more member requests for the group, uh, the, especially the last couple of months. But unfortunately, it has also an impact on pricing. So it's, it's, it's uh, demand and supply, I think. Yeah, the more collectors you have, the supply is limited. Yeah, the price goes up, uh, especially the last six months. Yeah, I've noticed that too. Even as a relatively new collector, I'm probably part of the problem. <laughs> but yeah, I've noticed yeah. even in the short time that I've been involved that prices are continuing to go up. You know, games I bought just a couple months ago are now significantly more. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. insane. For sure, there are other reasons as well, but I think the release of the 35th edition together with this pandemic uh, thing is, is a double reason. Uh, people are staying at home, they are bored, um, and they're spending money on, on the website and on the new collection. That for sure is also a reason, I think. You're describing my experience, and I'm sure I'm yeah. not the only one who's having it. <laughs> indeed, indeed. So... What has being a group admin allowed you to learn or experience that you might not have otherwise? For me, without a doubt, uh, the people and the games. Um, the people during those years, I got, to know, I got to know so many interesting people from all over the world. And I can truly say that, that there some friend, real friendships are, were created in this group. I know it sounds a bit cheesy, but it's really a fact. Um, to give an example, um, myself, I organize an annual gathering like a meet and greet with 20 collectors from the group to meet, to meet each other in real life because we're always communicating in, via Messenger and Facebook. So there was a real need from several people to meet each other occasionally. So that's why I, I created this uh, weekend, annual weekend. And in the past, it's now the fourth edition. Uh, we've been to Amsterdam, Berlin, Edinburgh, and Scotland. And we're planning to go to uh, Budapest in the future. So it's, it's a bit, it's crazy. Collectors from Canada, from, 
from Norway, from Switzerland and other countries are doing the efforts and paying plane tickets to, to meet each other on a, on a, in a city in Europe. That's really, really crazy. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's friendship for me. Um, and also this group, this uh, gave me the opportunity to buy and trade games from other collectors. And without this group, it was never possible to get certain um, games in my collections, precious games, really, really rare stuff. That's really neat. Um, what would you say are your current goals with the World of Game & Watch Facebook group? Are you interested in expanding the number of group members or hoping to expand your personal network to find any games or uh, what, what's, I'd be interested to hear about that. Well, expanding um, the group was never a, a real focus uh, back in the days and for sure now, no. It's, it, for me, the, the purpose was and is having a real vivid quality group. Um, Again, we want to we want to be a small qualitative group and not a group of thousands with no action at all. Because the bigger the group, the more risk for problems and issues. Um, I had in the beginning no rules. I okay, let's do this. Let's create a group and we will see. But after some years and the group got bigger, from time to time you have issues, you have problems, discussions. Things got out of hand, so we had to create some some a set of rules and some extra admins to manage the group. So regarding the personal network, I can say that because of this group, my network is big enough to know where some particular games are searched for, where they are, and what collection of what collector. So the only thing I need is patience, time, and uh, the budget, of course, because... Uh, some games I, uh, that are on my wanted list are quite uh, expensive. So I have a, a, a certain wanted list um, I have in mind, but I am at peace that I will never find them at a, a correct pricing. Um, I can say that my collection in, for me is complete, but um, I, yeah, I'm always triggered when I see a game I don't have to buy it. And that's, yeah, sometimes that is uh, not a good thing for the wallet. So what would you say is your current focus on retro handheld gaming? Is it playing or competing or repairing or collecting? Uh, wh where is the focus for you now? So my main focus is collect still collecting them. And next to that, what I really like is repairing them. Keeping them alive is really my motto. I, I really I, I repaired a lot of them during the, the during the years, um, and I will buy games who are advertised as broken or at parts only. If the price is correct, I will buy it. I will try to to, to fix them in my in my spare time. But uh, if that doesn't work, if it's not repairable, I will disassemble them for parts for future repairs. That is something I really like. But um, I have to admit that through the years, the interest in other handhelds grew. And I slowly started collecting them as well. Brands, other brands like Bandai, Hakken, uh, Casio, Coleco. I think those are really great. They did a great job in, in the design and gameplay. But when you compare them to the, to the Nintendo Game & Watch, 
you have to admit that in most cases, the design and the gameplay was far less uh, regarding quality and design. But I think them, uh, I found them re re really interesting. Um, and the quality of the Nintendo is still uh, very impressive. After almost 40 years, those games are still working very properly like they were yesterday in the, in, in, in the shop. So, yeah, expensive toys back in the day, but you got good quality for sure. Yeah. And um, next to that, my interest, my interest is also modding classic Game Boys and Game Boy Advance occasionally. Um, and on my planning list is um, modding a, Sema, a Sega Game Gear and uh, a Sega Nomad. So that is on, on, my, on my planning if I have the time. So, yeah. Huh. So you mentioned a few uh, manufacturers outside of Nintendo that you also collect. Um, mm. What sort of series are you also interested? You mentioned Bandai, Gakken, um, a few others. Um, are you looking for anything right now? Are there some gems in there that you feel like should be highlighted that aren't really talked about? Uh, no, not I'm not really active uh, looking for them. Um, if I come across something, I'm in, uh, I'm a member of a lot of uh, retro gaming groups, which is uh, not so good for the wallet. But when I come across to an advertisement uh, of of a, of a game I like, then I will buy it if the price is right. But my I really like the Bandai series and the Casio series. This these uh, series are really really fun. And um, they have a lot of a lot of games, so it's not my main focus to have them all. But when I come across a game and I can buy it, I will buy it. Yeah. What would you say is the most significant game in your collection? This could be in terms of monetary value or sentimental value. Uh, you can answer that any way you want. Yeah, it, it, it's a difficult choice. It was an, an, a question I. I tell myself, I ask myself uh, from time to time, what is your most precious game? Um, for sure, the most of the most people will, will say, yeah, yeah, that's the Holy Grail, it's the egg white screen, it's the, the far the, the hardest one to get. Agree. Adding that one to the collection in 2019 was really amazing. But there is a particular game um, in my collection, which is a, a greenhouse uh, dual screen with the pocket size packaging, so the, the USA version. Um, it's a very rare, rare game, but the, the, the story behind it, how I got it and how I found it was really something special I will never forget. Um, so some years ago, I created an Instagram profile, of course, dedicated to Game & Watch. Um, and I was looking at some pictures and all of a sudden I see some blurry picture of a small part of the back of a pocket-sized greenhouse box. I immediately recognize it, that is that box. So I decided to uh, start a brief conversation with the guy who posted that picture and asked him, is that your game? Because you have to be certain. And he said to me, yes. And But he immediately said to me even, yeah, but that game is really uh, broken. It's in parts, it's, it's useless. Uh, stop asking questions about it. It's not interesting. But I persisted. And yeah, of course. Um, and I, I asked him where you're from. And can you send me some more picture, of, the, especially from the box and the game? 
uh, he told me, yeah, I'm, I'm living in Brazil. Still. Brazil, oh my God, can it be further? Uh, he sent me some pictures and uh, indeed the game was really rubbish. It was not even uh, for, for parts. It's, it was really broken. Um, but the box was really in good shape. Um, so yeah, the, the guy noticed that I was really interested and he asked me, are you interested in buying it? I said, uh, yes, of course. Um, and yeah, the, the seller was not believing it that someone from Belgium uh, was interested in buying an old game, broken game with an old box, <laughs> paying more than 60 euros shipping only and send it to Belgium, which is 9,000 kilometers from Brazil. The guy was telling me literally, you are crazy. Um, <laughs> uh, yes, I am perhaps, but if I can find a game like that at a reasonable price, then I will go for it. So I paid the guy, he did send it correctly. The game arrived uh, perfectly. I replaced the game in the box and put it uh, in the, on the display shelf. And now it's there for five years now. So that for me is, is my best find and, and story in my, in my collecting career. And, and afterwards, the guy was checking my Instagram um, profile. And then he noticed, yeah, perhaps that was a bit a special box. And I told him, yeah, it's, it was a special one. But he was really happy with the money he got for it. So that was the most important thing for me. And uh, his last words were, that was a lot of money for a piece of cardboard, no? <laughs> and I, I said, yeah, I know. Thanks. So, yeah. So, and that is something that really excites me that you can still find them in the wilds at reasonable pricing. Uh, okay, it was in Brazil. It was a bit crazy, but I'm really happy that I was uh, able to add it to the collection. So what was so special about that particular box? How is, mm -hmm. how is it rare? How is it different? Um, it's different in a way, just the outer box is, has a an, has an, uh, far more beautiful artwork. So the inner, in, the intern, the, the inside of the box is totally um, the same. You have the instructions, you have the game, you have some paperwork, and you have some local um, language um, material. But the outer box from a pocket size has a far more uh, beautiful artwork. Uh, I must say the pocket size edition is the most popular one due to that artwork. Art, artwork sorry. So, um, yeah, that's uh, for me. Uh, you have 24 uh, games, 25 games within uh, pocket size. And uh, having them all is really uh, an obstacle. That's really hard. Speaking of obstacles and finding all these games that you're looking for, are there any games in particular or box types in particular that you are still looking for that you're trying to find? Um, I have now, um, I'm looking for some KLAC uh, editions. So those are Danish editions. Uh, they are really hard to find because they were not sold a lot in those countries, I think. And also my, my interest in uh, the Italian ones, uh, Otto, O-T-O, is really uh, now a, a small uh, goal for me. Um, and finding them is like uh, searching the web on a daily basis and talking to people uh, on a daily basis. Yeah, yeah. 
we've been talking a lot about Game & Watch and the Facebook groups you've created. I'm curious what interests you have beyond retro handheld gaming that we might not have chatted about here. Yeah, I, I have a busy life with three kids, but when I have time, I'm really into cooking. Um, and in particular, the last couple of years, I've been really into barbecuing. So barbecuing, in, and I do mean with the American way of barbecuing, so the low and slow cooks, not grilling. So, and that way of barbecuing is really not well known in Belgium, but it's, it's coming up. It starts to pick up. Um, and almost every weekend, summer and winter, I will, uh, I will barbecue something for the family. We love our pulled pork, our briskets, and our spare ribs. So that is also another passion of me, um, preparing food, barbecuing, and eating it. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds delicious. Do you, yeah. do you prepare it with a smoker? Yeah, yeah. I am uh, really a fan of uh, the Weber kettle. Okay. Uh, I have uh, several Weber, Weber kettles. Uh, yeah, I have, and I have a uh, smoker also. Yeah. Nice. I, I have a, a neighbor here who will do that a lot in the summertime, and he'll bring us pulled pork and all sorts of other delicious delights. <laughs> great, great. I don't have a neighbor like that. I am that neighbor. <laughs> So is there anything else that you'd like to add to this interview that I've not thought to ask? Um, this, I would like to add some, some tips for collectors who, who want to start, who are just started. That is something advice, that's some advice I always give to people who contact me and have questions or do some price checks with me. Because people who are starting collecting, they are not aware what is the real um, market price. What is the correct market price for a particular game? And I, I must say, for me, that was also uh, a hurdle in the beginning. I did my, um, my, my, my bad buys. Everybody has his learning money. Um, so I always have some tips for, um, for uh, people who start collecting. And then... The first one is, yeah, go slow. Um, at the beginning, you have the, okay, there are 60 games. I need to have them all. Let's go. The first 30, the first 30 games, titles, they are relative easy. But after those 30, it's becoming really hard for the wallets, for the from a time perspective. Yeah, it's, it's difficult. So the faster you want to have them, the more money you will overspend on a game. So take your time. It's really, yeah, the chase is always better than a catch. Enjoy search for them, searching for them and finding them. For me, okay, when you find some, yeah, the good example was the Brazil story. You have the game, you put it on the shelf and that's it. That's it. The quest is over. So, yeah. And, and also lately, yeah, last couple of years, um, fake packaging and manuals, that is really a pro becoming a problem. They are producing really good quality of fake boxes and it's becoming, becoming really difficult to see the difference between a real box and a fake box, especially online when, when the picture on eBay on other websites are not that, all, uh, are not that good. So it's really difficult to see the difference especially when you're unexperienced, when you start collecting. Yeah, I, I heard stories from, from collectors who bought uh, 
een, uh, een widescreen balloon fight voor uh, 250 euro. En ze showed me de picture en ik moet zeggen, unfortunately, man, um, it's fake. En dan, ja, dat is heartbreaking. En ja, beware of scammers, internet fraud. So many people um, make advantage of the popularity of, of games. And so many people still lose a lot of money on fake sales posts and of retro games in general. Not only Game and Watch, but uh, retro gaming in, in general. It's, if the offering is too good to be true, stay away from it. It's not worth it. Not at all. I had also my learning money. I don't want to go deeper in that or <laughs> I'm going to cry. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's it. That's that, those are the most important tips I want to to mention to to other collectors. I can't say that I personally am a box collector, but for uh-huh. those who are interested in buying boxed and buying NOS, what kind of tips would you give them to look out for as far as uh, being able to understand whether a box is original or reprinted. Mm-hmm. I know you said there's starting to be sort of difficulty in that respect, but what should people look for? They should uh, ask for a second opinion. Even I uh, need to ask for a double up, uh, for a second opinion to other uh, collectors I know. So if you, yeah, you need to have the contacts for sure. But if you are in our group, if you can be a member of our group, feel free to post it online. Just a small check. You will have an answer within minutes. And um, yeah, we're there, we're there to help. Um, also from to avoid um, scamming, to uh, see through scamming um, advertising is asking for more pictures. What I do for uh, checking is asking a second picture of the back of a box with his uh, uh, small uh, paper with his name on it. That is something that you know that he owns the game. And then for sure, you know, that's not a scam. So that is a trick that I, I tell everybody and it works. It works. When you don't hear the guy anymore, you know, it was a scam. So we're kind of coming to the end here. Uh, I wanted to ask you where people can get in touch with you. You know, maybe they've got some auto boxes that they're ready to sell or yeah, <laughs> something yeah. that you're looking for. <laughs> <laughs> Please dial. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> so if you're a true Game & Watch collector, you're always welcome in our community. So that's on Facebook. It's a uh, type uh, World of Game & Watch. And for sure, you will find it. I'll include a link to that in the show notes for this yeah. episode too. Yeah, you can do that. Yeah, for sure. And if you're not a, a collector, you can find me on Instagram. I'm uh, gameandwatchfreak.be. There you can find a picture of me, of my collection. Great. Well, Raphael, thank you so much for your time here today and for creating this really vibrant community on Facebook with the World of Game & Watch Facebook group. Uh, yeah. I really appreciate your time here. Yeah, thanks a lot for you too. Uh, thanks, thanks a lot for this op- opportunity and uh, good luck with the, with the podcast. All right, there you have it, Rafael. I really appreciate not only your time taken for this interview, but your contribution to the Game & Watch community of enthusiasts by creating, moderating, and participating in this vibrant Facebook group that you formed. Thanks for everything. 
This interview with Rafael was recorded on February 19th, 2021, and this episode's original air date was June 7th, 2021. Now, if you recall from the interview, Rafael is still looking for some particular box variations for his Game & Watch collection. So, as a brief thanks, I thought I'd make a final call to action for anyone who might have any auto or those Kalog Danish box variations. Don't hesitate to reach out to Rafael. You can find him on Facebook at his World of Game & Watch group or over on his Instagram at gameandwatchfreak.be, and I'll be sure to include those links in the show notes for today's episode. And while you're there, if you have an interest in Game & Watch games, this group Rafael oversees has been a great source of information and inspiration for me, so you might find something of interest there too. And on the topic of this episode's show notes, as you've come to expect, in addition to the links I mentioned, you can also find a number of images and other points of interest discussed on the podcast here today. One such thing is a collection of images of Raphael's immaculately displayed collection of Game & Watch games. Not to be missed. You can find all that and all the episodes of the Game & Cast podcast on our website, gameandcast.com. That's G-A-M-E-A-N-D-C-A-S-T dot com or on any podcatching service. We'll see you back here in another couple weeks on June 21st, 2021, for our eighth and final episode of the season. Maybe forever. Who knows? But while this episode featured our final interview, next episode we'll be back to feature another deep dive game review you've come to know and love. Until next time, if you have any comments, questions, thoughts, etc., you can contact me at the show's email address, ryan at gameandcast.com. Okay, thanks for downloading and listening to yet another Game and Cast episode, everyone. I really do appreciate all the downloads, the kind emails, and the nice reviews. There's a ton of time that goes into making something like this, and that sort of feedback makes it all worth it. So, you know, uh, thank you. <laughs> I'm not sure really how to transition out of that one, except to urge you to be safe, mask up, and game on. Game on.